chapter 7 tonight. Uh, we're, we're back in Matthew chapter 7 with the Sermon on the Mount. And um, another, uh, Jesus is going to give us another installment here tonight uh, on how to, uh, uh, how should a follower of Christ act. Um, this has been a, um, uh, a journey for many, many believers through the years. How should we act? And Jesus in, in the Sermon on the Mount gives us, I think, a very clear description of, of the ways and things we should do uh, and how to act and so on and so forth. Um, but tonight we're going we're gonna to take it another step. And it seems like in a minute when we read this, it, it may seem like this, the, the, these verses are kind of out of place because Jesus, I don't know if you remember, but he talks in, in, in uh, uh, the first part of it, uh, um, he, he talks about the, um, uh, the, he gives us the parable of the, of the uh, uh, oh, come on, uh, the, the, uh, the moat and the beam. I, I, yeah, I just for some reason, I just my brain went, went blank. Um, but he gives us that parable, and then he talks in, in verse 6 about being a discerning Christian we talked about last week. And then all of a sudden, in, 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 in verses 7 to 11, uh, it's like he changes gears. So let's read uh, verses, cha- uh, verses 7 through 11. It says, so here he was in verse 6 talking about being discerning. And then he says in verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom, if uh, his son has bread, will give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this time together. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I am so thankful and grateful for the opportunity to be here this evening and uh, share my heart with the, over this passage. Lord, I do ask that you give me clarity of thought and, and Lord, help me to communicate what you would have me to, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't believe that these verses are out of place. I uh, Obviously, our Lord uh, knew exactly what to say and when to say it. So we need to understand that we, first we have the parable uh, in verses 1 through 5 of the, the beam and the moat. Uh, and then he goes into, in verse 6, he talks about being discerning. And then he, in verses 7 to 11, he talks about prayer. So the first point we talked about, uh, how, to, uh, how should a, a follower of Christ act, uh, uh, number one was the parable of the beam and the moat. The second one is the discerning Christian. And then point number three tonight is a dependent Christian. And I, I, t- I touched on this a little bit this morning of being a dependent Christian and <clears throat> needing God in our lives but tonight we're going to be talking about being a dependent Christian in the context of our prayer lives. 
Um, you know, prayer is one of those things that um, I believe is the is the greatest tool that God gives a believer. But I also believe it is the most unused tool that that God gives believers. Um, Candy uh, shared with me a quote uh, that she had read um, uh, earlier this week, and I'm going to butcher it, I'm sure. But she said, when when a Christian sits down for 15 minutes of prayer, you have one minute of prayer and 14 minutes of distraction. Something like that, right? <clears throat> and uh, I said, man, is that not the truth? You know, I, I mean, you know, how often have we sat down to pray and then, uh, you know, you're 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 praying, and then the next thing you know, you're 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 looking at your shopping list, or or you, you know your your mind is somewhere, and you're like, how did I get there? And then you bring it back, you know, bring it back into and and prayer uh, for uh, some people can be uh, discouraging because of that very thing. Oh man, why? Why in the world? What in the world? Why can't I just pray and not be distracted? You know, uh, uh, our pastor of 20 years, he used to uh, walk and pray at the same time. So I thought, oh, you know, a few years back, I thought, you know, I should try that. No, that was. I'm like, what an idiot! Who can walk? I mean, I was tripping all over stuff, and you know, and just. Yeah, you know, just like, no, this ain't working. So, you know, and, and, you know, Melanie sometimes will sit on her exercise bike and, and, and hold her prayer notebook. And, you know, the, the, to, if I were to do that, those little arms that go back and forth would pop me right in the face. I know it. Knock me right off. The, no, I, for me, I need quiet. I need that. I need that space. I need that closet, if you would. Uh, for 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 at least that's the way my brain works, and I still I still have to rein in my thoughts because my mind will just take off. Poof. So a dependent Christian got a question for you. Why do you think the Lord would bring up prayer at this point? Here he talks about it. He's he has he has. You know, for for us, he's done three chapters. We're getting to the end of his sermon on the mount, so we've already looked at two chapters. We're well into chapter three, and he says, "Okay, it's time to talk about prayer." Why? Because prayer is extremely important, but there's another reason. Because we're all human. And we all get distracted. And and prayer is incredibly important. But the reality is we are all we are all feeble. And we're all weak. And we all make mistakes. And Jesus here is talking about the in the first few verses was talking about that the parable of the of the uh, <clears throat> the beam and the moat. Then he talks about discernment. Now he's talking about prayer. 
And to me, it's a very logical step that he would take to talk about prayer because God is the only one who's perfect. And, and, and I say that, be, be careful with that, the fact, well, I'm human, I make mistakes. Well, yeah, you are human, and yes, you do make mistakes, but it's never an excuse. Now, I can use an excuse, but you can't. Isn't that how we are, right? <laughs> In James chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. You know, if you were to... Well, let me ask you, let me ask a question. Um, who is, apart from Jesus... Who is the wisest person in the Bible? Solomon. Everybody, right? Boom. That's it. Immediately, that's who we think of. <clears throat> what was the one thing that set Solomon apart from most people when it comes to wisdom? Okay, it's prayer. He, he talked to God. But what was the one thing that set him apart then from most people? And God even tells him. Exactly. He knew. He knew. He didn't. He wasn't wise enough to do the job that God wanted him to do. So he knew that his dependence, if you would, needed to be on God. <clears throat> He knew that God would have to intervene in his life in order for him to be able to carry out the incredible task that God had put before him. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. Now, now O Lord God, let thy, excuse me, let thy promise unto uh, David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I might go out and come in before this people. For <clears throat> who can judge thy people this so great? This uh, that is so great. And Solomon, uh, excuse me, and God said to Solomon, <clears throat> because this is in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemy, neither yet hast thou uh, asked long life, but thou hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people for whom I have made uh, thee king, uh, over whom I have made thee king, Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee. Neither shall there any after thee have the like. So what happens? God comes to Solomon and he says, Solomon, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but I think you understand. He says, he says, Solomon, you can have anything you want. What do you want? Do, do you think Solomon went, 
wow, riches and honor, or maybe to live a long time. Do you think those might have went running through his head? I, I would think so. I mean, he's human, right? But ultimately, I, I don't know, the Bible doesn't really tell us, but the, the assumption, at least my on my part, is that Solomon pondered it for a while. And ultimately, what did he ask for? Wisdom. Not wisdom in general, but a specific kind of wisdom. A wisdom to rule the people that God had placed him king over. And the thing that has always caused me to respect Solomon is not his wisdom, because I don't believe his wisdom was from himself. The thing that I have always respected about Solomon is the fact that he recognized his dependence on God. And that is the very thing that we need in our lives. We need to be dependent on God for everything. And in the context of what we're talking about here uh, is prayer. There are a, a, a few interesting things I want to bring out uh, in this passage that we just read, verses 7 to 11. The first one is the invitation. The invitation. <clears throat> Look at verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. There, there are some key ideas, some key words here that I want to talk about that I think kind of help put, put all this together. The first word I want to point out is the word shall. Shall. That is a word of action. It's a verb. Okay? If... <clears throat> It is, it is a, a word that means to attain or to accomplish something. So, so in essence, what is God saying? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. That is exactly what he's saying. So what it, let's, let's read it. Verse 7 it says, Ask, and it what? Shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So if you ask, you will get an answer. Now, in the midst of the windstorm on top of a mountain, did you hear anything? <laughs> well, but from God, I mean, no. Uh, <clears throat> but the point, but you got an answer though. Just not the answer you wanted. Right. It's kind of that steadfast. And then I, th I think that I think the, the biggest answer that came out of it was when the sun rose in the morning. Right. And it was like, he's still here. The warmth is still coming. You know, there's still. Right. But yeah, it wasn't the answer I wanted. Right, right. But. So the so the, the 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 reality here in this verse, is what he's saying, literally, what he's saying is, if you ask, you will get an answer. If you will seek, you will find it. If you will knock, 
the door will be opened. Now that's an incredible truth. And as I as I was sitting there thinking and pondering on this and 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 it just the reality of what Jesus is saying here in verse 7 just kind of it, it just it, it kind of hit me because I thought of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. It is the contrast to this verse, I think. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, uh, uh, Jesus is, is, is talking to the pastor of the church at Laodicea. And this is what he says. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and will open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, I want you to look at this verse. What is the most important word in that verse? Okay, I'm hearing... Okay, okay, you're close. I'll give you this. It's two letters. If. 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 Do you see the difference between this verse and, and verse 7 of chapter 7 of Matthew? See, God is saying here, if you ask, you'll get. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be opened unto you. And here, when Jesus is talking to the pastor at Laodicea, he's saying, hey, I'm standing at the door knocking. If. The choice is ours. I did a an, a word search on the word if. Now I don't know. I you know. <clears throat> I don't know if all. I I don't think that every if in the Bible is this way. But this particular Greek word for this particular if is a marker of condition with the implication of reduced possibility. That's that's exactly what it means. More will stand and say, I'm going to do my own thing, God. More will do their own thing and not answer the door than that do answer the door. Could it also be in human fear? So many people are so the noise. The noise of this world, right? Because and I've I've preached messages on this. The the noise of this world oftentimes out 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 noises if you. Will. Uh, uh, drowns out the that drowns out the knock of the door, I believe, or the the, the you know what was it Elijah or Elisha on the mountain? Elijah, yeah, it was Elijah. Elijah was on the mountain, and what what does the the Bible say that the the voice of God was not in the earthquake or the fire, but it was in the still small voice, right, and. And, and that, that's how God speaks to us. 
And I've said it a thousand times. I'll probably say it another thousand times. I believe that one of Satan's greatest tricks is to make our lives noisy so we don't hear the knock on the door. We don't hear the still, small voice of God working in our hearts. But I just, I found it interesting, the contrast here. Jesus is saying, if you will pray, if you will seek me, if you will knock, it will be opened. I will hear and answer. And here the contrast is a big if with a negative to it. Because more people will ignore the knock than will acknowledge the knock. The invitation of Christ, and I, I, as again, as I started thinking about this, there, there are many invitations that, that Christ gives us. And I wanted to share a few of them with you very quickly. Um, the first one is the, the uh, uh, Jesus' first invitation uh, recorded in Scripture is in John chapter 1 and verse 39. Uh, it says this, He saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelled, and and uh, abode with him that day, for it was about the ninth hour. Uh, Jesus' invitation to follow him. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, in verses 16 to 18, one of the very first verses I ever read in the Bible. I, uh, the, it is the first passage I ever remember reading in the Bible. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses uh, 16 to 18. says, Now as he... Uh, walked by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come after me, and I will make you uh, to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. That was one of the first passages I ever read. And I, I remember sitting there on the side of my bed, uh, 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 19, 20 years old, something like that. I think it was still 19. Uh, <clears throat> sitting on the side of my bed, and I, and I, I got a, I got a brand new Bible. It was the first payday after, after I got paid, or after I got saved. It was my first payday, and I went to the Christian bookstore and I got a, a big old black Bible. I mean, this, the thing was, I still have it, but it weighed about 40 pounds. <laughs> But it was a red letter edition, and I didn't know what that meant, but it, hey, it, you know. So I cracked it open, and I just kind of flipped through, and then the first, you know, I thought, oh, here's some red letters. And somebody had told me that those are supposedly the words of Jesus. So, so I, I stopped, and this was the first passage I read, and I thought, God, I want to be a fisher of men. Praise God for that. Anyway, that, that's a side note. Another invitation is a personal invitation. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, a little short guy up in the tree. Uh, and when uh, Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, <clears throat> uh, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Uh, Jesus' invitation of uh, physical life. Uh, John chapter 11, verses uh, 43 and 44. Uh, and when he uh, thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead 
came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. And you know what, what did Jesus do? Jesus intentionally waited for Lazarus to die. Why? Because he, he knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. What did he do? He looked at the at the graveyard or the 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 um, uh, tombs. Yeah, the tombs where they where they put the bodies in the tombs. And it's a good thing he said the name Lazarus before he said come out. <laughs> Could you imagine what that'll look like if he'd have just said come out, man? It would have been, you know, it'd have been, yeah, it'd have been something. Frankenstein movie all over again, you know? But he calls him by name and he says, come out. The imitation to life. Then I, I, I remember that there's an invitation for help. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See again, the invitation, come. And then there's the invitation of spiritual life. Revelation chapter 22, verses 16 and 17. I, Jesus, have sent mine angels to testify unto you these things in the churches, I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Many kind, and I could have went on, but those were just some of the invitations that, that, that God has given us in the Bible. Jesus specifically. But here in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is inviting us to ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. If we will do our part, he is obligated to do his. So we have the invitation. And then in verse 8, I didn't know what else to name this, but it, the, it, the invitation expanded. Okay, he, he, he expands the invitation, if you would. Look at verse 8. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Okay, let me ask you a question. We've talked about this before, but it's a good time, it's a great place to have a reminder question here. Whenever Scripture repeats something, what is, what, why does Scripture repeat something? Oh, what did she say? It's important that the emphasis is 
is is Jesus in 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 verse eight? He's expanding and he's saying, "Hey, listen, I said this. Uh, seek, <clears throat> ask, seek, and knock." But then he's he's repeating it for emphasis to make it even more clear that if we will seek, knock, or, or ask, seek, and knock. John Phillips, one of the commentators I was reading, wrote this. He says, we can picture him looking uh, into the incredulous faces of of his disciples who wondered how in the world anyone could possibly live the kind of life described in the Sermon on the Mount. He was well aware that no one had the wisdom or strength to keep his commandments. So, Jesus linked our impotence to God's omnipotence. That's where the dependence comes in. Because we are human, and we are frail, and we make mistakes, he never makes mistakes. And through prayer, we can connect with God and, and, and have the strength. Through prayer, we can ask, seek, and knock. Solomon recognized that without God, he could not do what God called him to do. And the reality is this. If you're honest with yourselves, you are in the same boat Solomon was in. Now granted, you're not ruling a nation, at least I don't think anybody here is. <clears throat> not yet. <laughs> not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's going to be queen of the ages. Yeah. Well, you're a little optimistic, huh? Uh, you know, but honestly, but how many of you need wisdom to be parents? Yeah, how, how many of you need wisdom to get out of bed in the morning? See what I'm saying? We need to be just, we, we look at Solomon and we think, man, what, a, what an incredible man. And, and he was, honestly, he was a really good guy. I mean, God blessed him in, in, incredibly. But the reality is we need just as much wisdom as Solomon did. We need to be dependent on God. And the best way to do that is through our prayer life. In verse 8, again, I did a, I, 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 anyway, I did a, another word search because in, in, in my attention was drawn to the word knocketh. <clears throat> the word knocketh, is an interesting word. It's, it, it is a present tense participle in Greek. Okay, and you, that to you probably means zero. But let me tell you what a present tense participle in Greek means. Okay, so this, this is it. Please, please get this because this is the whole, the whole nuts and bolts of my message tonight. A present tense participle is this. I knocked yesterday, I'm knocking today, and I'm going to knock tomorrow. It never ends. 
That's what a present tense participle in Greek means. It's an action of past, present, and future. Now, now, you know, so for, for us to, when we read it, we don't quite, you know, because English, we don't talk like that. But in the Greeks, when, when, he, was, when he was speaking this, the, the people that he was speaking to understood exactly what he was saying because they understood the language. What's your prayer life like? Were you knocking yesterday? Have you been knocking today? And will you knock tomorrow? Let's take it back a step further. Asking is also a present tense participle. Seeking, guess what? Is also a present tense participle. Asking, seeking, knocking. Today, have I been asking, seeking, knocking? Tomorrow, will I be asking, seeking, knocking? You see the progression? So, in other words, asking, seeking, knocking should be a regular part of your life. Not just in the morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you do your prayer time. Not while you're sitting on your bike riding. Not when you're walking. Not when, No, it should be a part of our lives, not only every day, but every hour of every day. What is... What is uh, the, the, I, I, I should have looked it up. I didn't even think about it until just now. But the Bible says, pray with what? Without ceasing. And that is exactly what this verse is saying. Present tense participle. Pray without ceasing. Ask without ceasing. Seek without, seek, without ceasing. Knock without ceasing. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 10 says this. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him unto midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves of three loaves. For a friend of mine is uh, uh, a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him excuse me, set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are in the in with uh, me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto, unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and shall give him as many as he needed. What does the word importunity mean? Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Why did he get out of bed? Just to shut him up. You ever been there before? Get in the cookie jar. Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, verse 9. 
And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Boy, does that sound familiar. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and everyone that seeketh findeth, and everyone that knocketh, it shall be opened. Do you think there's a pattern here? Now, this is not the same verses, okay? It's not the same sermon. But Jesus felt it was important, and he repeated it twice. On the heels of a story. So there's an important truth here. And please, please get this because this is so important. God is not hard of hearing. He's not stubborn. And he does not forget or neglect us. We are the ones that are hard of hearing and stubborn. We are the ones that will quit and turn away. We are the ones that will forget and neglect. So why is it so important? Why is it so important? I need to stop. Why is it so important that we continually ask, seek, and knock? Why is it so important? Exactly. We need to be dependent on Him. And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching us. Yeah. Yes. We need, we need that. We have a, a business meeting we need to get into. Um, so I'm going to cut it off here. We'll finish it up next week. Um, oh, no, no, we won't. Not next week. Anyway, it'll be, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to, uh, we have a guest speaker next week. Um, so um, anyway, so yeah, you're not, you won't have to listen to me next week. <laughs> so let's pray and uh, we'll get into our business meeting. Dear Lord, thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. We are truly thankful because we are truly blessed. And Lord, help us to to get an idea, to wrap our heads around this idea of, of asking, seeking, and knocking. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.